0: For February 27th, 2017, it's the Overthinking and Podcast, episode 452. The good wine the first time, or the good wine the second time? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I am your host, Matthew Rather. Uh, I think I'm at least as good a host as Jimmy Kimmel was tonight. And I'm here uh, with my pals and fellow podcasters, Peter Fenzel. Good evening, Pete. Good evening, Matt. And Jordan Stokes. Good evening to
1: you. I was pretty sure you're going to be like, and Mark Lee. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wrong envelope.
0: (laughs) Uh, Now, I say good evening to these fine gentlemen, but they're on the East Coast where the Oscars has just ended, and it is half past midnight. That's the kind of dedication that it takes. Uh, So when you're considering whether or not to become a a member of Overthinking It, to support us with a a monthly or annual contribution and get some cool stuff and have the uh, warm feeling of knowing that you're helping this enterprise to thrive. Um, keep in mind that, uh, that our East Coasters uh, d- d- will, will stay up until 2 in the morning to podcast rather than uh, let the Oscars go un- commented upon, and that is uh, what we are talking about tonight. Now, we usually start with a question. I don't know. I've been soft-pedaling the question a little bit in recent weeks, which it actually seems to be working just fine, but, but let me just throw this out to the panel. We can go in alphabetical order if that makes sense. Um, there was an enormous snafu at the end of the Oscars. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, uh, you've heard about it. I'm sure it will be described and relitigated countless times in uh, in the entertainment press, um, by the time you've read this, but what seemed to have happened is that Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were standing there, about to give the award for for Best Picture, um, and their sort of triumphal uh, anniversary, you know, uh, appearance was marred by the fact that someone gave Warren Beatty the wrong envelope—the envelope for Best Actress instead of Best Picture—and so he opened it, and he took like a good ten Mississippi beat, and and, and it looked like. Like he was doing a take and like just really committing to the bit of like looking in the envelope, flipping the card over, like looking around, showing it to Faye Dunaway, right? And and this we thought he was being funny, and, and then when he announced La La Land, it was he like, didn't
2: announce Faye Dunaway announced La La. Land. Oh right, right. She she, he, she he, just read it. She was just like, oh okay, I'll read it. She Great. just
1: read and the just, thing, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So there's so, even a moment when she was like, you're terrible to him for <laughs> yeah. for doing right. the bit. Apparently,
0: <laughs> right and the, and and so th- he was actually seeking counsel from her and she uh did not provide counsel she just she just uh sort of j- jumped in, and La La Land was announced as, as Best Picture, and then you saw what happened. They brought the correct envelope out, and it was a fuster cluck. Like, it was a legitimate fuster cluck. This is when having like, having a host who who was, who was like a strong personality, uh, yeah, this is why we need an authoritarian Oscar host, guys. Be- <laughs> <laughs> because like, someone, someone who could have taken control of the room at that moment, rather than like, who gets to stand at the mic, who is going to give the official explanation? Who's going to who's going to do this, right? But but uh, set that aside. Set that aside for a moment. You're you're Warren Beatty. You're under the gun, and like it's it's one of those things where though he is a he is a consummate professional performer, he's a a film performer, not a, a live performer. So like making uh, split second decisions under the gun uh, in front of a live audience is not. His strong suit, right, like you're Warren Beatty, what do you do in that moment, and I guess I just want to throw this out as our opening question, right? like what should he have done that you know that that he didn't do uh i Pete, you're first in the in the alphabet, do you have an opinion about this? yeah, yeah, sure, because I think that. This we mentioned this
2: in our members only chat, and we mentioned this on the Twitter. This was the first Oscars I remember seeing, and maybe they've done it once or twice before. But the first Oscars I remember seeing, where they did not bring the accounting firm of PricewaterhouseCoopers onto the stage. <laughs> And right. they usually do it. It's like, this is the accounting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers. They make sure it's correct. Um, the two people, so the two people, I looked this up. The two people from PricewaterhouseCoopers, who were the tabulators, uh, were named Brian Cullinan and Martha Ruiz. And the two of them, they were, they were on the red carpet. They, had, they were all dressed up. Um, and they, they were backstage, supposedly. Like Their plan was to have both of them on either side of the backstage so that if anything were to go wrong, uh, they could come out and help. Um yeah, honestly, if that were me, I would probably call them out. I would probably be like, excuse me. I need to call out the accounting firm of PricewaterhouseCoopers (laughs) because we need to decide whether this is correct and whether we have the correctly tabulated result. I mean, that's probably not a great option now that I think about it in terms of, like, TV production. But in terms of, like, officiating a sporting event live, you appeal to the head judge, right? Or or it's funny. In terms of appealing a a sporting event, and then I gave you the process for a Magic the Gathering tournament. But either way, (laughs) you, you look to the home plate ref. You appeal to the head judge, right? If you're a floor judge and you feel like the rules decision is is confounding you a little bit, don't hesitate. You can always call a judge to get out to appeal the ruling. Uh, so that's what I would do. I would I would get I would get Martha and I would get Brian uh, to come out and uh, and and put their money where their envelopes are, as it were,
0: Jordan, so to speak. Jordan, what do you what do you think? Do you like what do, what do you do in that moment? I mean, I think that Pete is. Um being
1: a little bit unfair to to Beatty (laughs) there, just because you're assuming that he understood what was going on. I feel like if if it's me, I almost certainly don't realize, hey, this is a Best Actress card. I just think, well, it was going to be either La La Land or Moonlight or one of the other ones. Um, And, like, I see La La Land, which makes sense, and then I see something that doesn't make sense, which says Emma Stone. I think on my best day, I maybe say, I, like, turn and say out loud... Does this look right to you? Something's wrong with this. To the person that I'm that I'm hosting it with, but I'd probably on like 99% of my days. No, let's call it an even hundred. I would sort of assume that everything is sort of working out and read la la land off the card. So I don't know if that's what, uh, it, it, that's maybe not what he should do, but if should implies uh can, right. Then that's probably what he should do because I, I don't see it happening any other way. Right. I, I think I th- that actually, honestly dithering the way that he did was probably his best self, his best option.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable, right? Now it's very easy to sort of Monday morning, literally Monday morning, because uh, where you guys are, it's already Monday morning, uh, to Monday morning quarterback, uh, what he did but i think you can't underestimate that aspect of being under the gun and having to sort of make uh make sort of decision make a call um under the gun in a sort of high pressure high stakes live uh live environment right yeah and there's so much there's so much uh put on um I mean, this is so extraordinary and an and event to have happened that it's probably not even within his mental game theory decision tree of <laughs> you know, right of possible, possible outcomes here, right? Like he probably thought, as Jordan says, it's either going to be la la land or moonlight, and you know you react uh, in a way that is gracious but appropriate based on um, based on what it is. Uh, and that that sort of, you know, I, I'm sorry, I I don't think I have the right envelope, uh, which is so simple, it seems so easy now, um, is, you know, might might actually be harder under the gun to come up with that response than than it, it seemed at the time. I mean, I'm glad you got I, I'm glad that that's sort of the the consensus that we're coming to Pete, I, I, I think you probably sent on to that as well, right, Pete?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I would also add that the man is seventy nine years old and right. wasn't wearing any glasses. <laughs> and Faye Dunaway, Faye Dunaway six seventy six years old, and also wasn't wearing any glasses. So maybe they have super laser eyes or something. But uh, yeah, I think. I mean, you gotta think. You gotta get the science and technology guys on it. You gotta get. You gotta get uh, uh, a Cho and what was the. It's it's, what, it's uh, it was John
0: Cho and Leslie Mann, right?
2: Leslie Mann, yeah, yeah. So John Cho and Leslie Mann, get him. Go go back to the Science and Technology Awards and have the scientists design the system for authenticating the Oscar winner while without uh, divulging the information about it beforehand. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, uh, we have that. We just have all of the Oscars next year going to be announced by animatronic Peter Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> Take human error out of the system. It, uh, it works for manufacturing, yeah. right?
2: Um, and Avatar two will sweep them all of them. Yeah, that's, is, that, is that next year? When, whenever Avatar 2 comes out, that'll be the first time that the computers pick the best picture rather than us. So
0: so, we, so, uh, so the, the stock overthinking it uh, uh, take on the Oscars uh, comes from our own Peter Fenzel. It's the, that the Oscars is uh, a television program uh, of a stage show <laughs> about films. Right. right. About, about cinema and that uh, or uh, cinema as the uh, as the multinational, you know, coalition of the willing uh, to be interviewed for the Oscars uh, international movies montage uh, would have it. Right. And and so uh, let's let's briefly step through those uh, the television program, um, the the stage show and the uh, and the films and and that sort of uh, let's maybe structure the first part of our discussion around that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come out and say that as a television program I think it was uh, uh, fairly crappy um, mm-hmm. the, this year. Uh, I, I thought camera angles were weird. I saw a lot of cameras in in cameras, there were just a lot of awkward moments created by the shots, by the framing by the uh, uh, by the kind of the technical apparatus of producing a live television show that i don 't seem to remember um, in in previous years because like the the Oscars is is usually stately to the point of being pompous and and that wasn't the case in in terms of the production this year it, that's my contention and um you know it seemed uh uh seemed a little strange to me well, it didn't have a huge sense of grandeur or scale that's an enormous theater uh that auditorium is is freaking huge um and aside from a couple of uh a couple of um, you know, uh, shots of like large platinum-colored curtains opening and closing. It, it, the the sense of scale, uh, seemed to be lost a lot. And um, I don't know. It just it seemed to to uh, uh, t- fail as TV to me. Uh, am I am I uh, full of it, or uh, you you guys agree with that?
2: Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say it failed as TV, but I would agree that the TV show part of it. Was the weakest part of it, right? Right. The 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 way the way that they because a lot of what they were doing was oriented towards this the the experience of being in the room, right? Like it was sort of look at all the people, and that's and that's something that they often do. But I think that. As the shift of uh, sort of experience, sort of experience culture has gone on, there's been more and more of an effort at the Oscars and other places to kind of put you authentically in the experience of the people who are there rather than put you in sort of a Billy Crystal level of authenticity, wherein, like, hey, you know, so and so's in the front row. Like, let's talk to them, right? But, like, actually try to give you the experience. The, the, the sort of or moment is the Bradley Cooper selfie, right? With Ellen DeGeneres. Right, right. Where everyone's sort of packed in. It's like, oh, wow, it's like you're there. And there's a big leap to make between orienting the – uh, I guess what the mise en scene, right? The sort of like mise en show with the kind of uh the 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 thing that exists that is being filmed for television, right? Orienting that towards the production of the television show uh in a way that also makes for good television or at least makes for television that works in the medium. So things like the shots of the like the candy falling down from the sky on the parachutes. You never really saw the candy. You never saw the donuts, right? And that spoke to me that the 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 gag wasn't really well uh, th- thought out, or at least wasn't really properly composed for the medium. And I think that that there were a lot of ways that was writ large and writ small throughout, where the medium of television was the medium least served by what was happening. Yeah. I mean, Jordan, what do you think?
1: Um, I'm not sure I have a I have a comment on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> Back that was- to you.
2: Well, but well. To contrast, right? So, my favorite part of are we going to if we go into our favorite parts? You don't have to, but yeah. but my my favorite part of the whole thing was Javier Bardem's discussion of the Bridges of Madison County, <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. Where Javier, where they ask everybody, and they're like, "Oh, you know, what's what's one performance that you know it's really inspired you over the years or whatever it is?" They asked him, and he's like, "Meryl Streep in the Bridges of Madison County." And though, like, I, I, I was reading on Twitter, people were like, "Really, okay." Uh, but but when he sits down there and he's watching the movie and then he talks about what he called what the four miracles of acting, which were. Uh- uh, sense of uh, truth, sense character. of truth, character, uh, relation to physical objects, right, and uh, and and um, body language. and body language, right. Yeah. Which, by the way, Matt, is that true? Are those the four miracles of acting?
0: <laughs> I mean, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was like baptism, uh, first confession, <laughs> first holy eucharist, confirmation. Holy I, I thought it was. It was
2: RoboCop two, RoboCop three. <laughs> you know, um, but the point is that that was a film about. Film, right? That was like, I mean, digital, yes, but it was like a film about film with a film actor. And so it all kind of worked, right? Uh, and it felt a lot more coherent. Than a lot of the other stuff that was happening, but he of,
0: I mean it, it yeah. felt like uh, the thing I appreciated about that was it felt like two orders of magnitude more sophisticated than any discourse about uh, about filmmaking about acting about directing writing, any of the disciplines right that that anywhere else in the uh, anywhere else in the the entire program right like the the uh, I guess largely American stars talk in general terms about sort of inspiration and dreams. And things like this, and it seems I mean not just because like la la land uh, uh, you know is is a fairly unsophisticated exploration of these you know uh, general kind of feel goody type type themes um, uh, but also because that 's just kind of the stock language for talking about this stuff at at events like this um it's, it was such a fresh of breath air. Uh, it's apparently it's late for me as well. Uh, it's such a breath of fresh air uh, to get just analysis of acting that's a little more sophisticated a little more than like it allows us to live in the lives of other people like the the idea that this is a craft and and there is excellence in the craft and that that excellence can be defined in terms of some uh perhaps some ineffable qualities but also in terms of of technical qualities uh in the exercise of the craft and that that was uh uh refreshing to me
2: yeah, I mean, when you talk about acting and its ineffable qualities, don't forget about its effable qualities, like the makeup designer of Suicide Squad, who declared to everyone, "We are here to celebrate beautiful people," right? Which I thought that's what he said, right? We're yeah, here to celebrate. I, I, I,
0: that was lost in translation, right? I like he, <laughs> uh, but I, I, your point is well taken.
2: No, I mean, but he also went on to say a bunch of other good stuff, and I I just thought it was – I thought it was honest and cheerful, and certainly if anyone is going to appreciate human beauty as an art, it should be a cinematic makeup artist, right? Like it's it's sort of like they're the ones who are responsible for the face, right? Uh, Yeah, for the the manufacture of
0: human beauty, right?
1: (laughs) Although, well, in his particular case, it's we're here to celebrate beautiful people and making them as ugly as possible. <laughs>
0: hey, oh, I am beautiful. I'm Killer
2: Croc. <laughs>
1: it's, oh, man. Oh, I was talking about Jared Leto.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Is this the first time that someone has won an Academy Award for, for tattooing multiple people's faces? Uh, perhaps. For, for tattooing the word dangerous on multiple people's faces. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, I thought that the Moonlight screenwriters had a, a fairly, it was like, the topic of representation is somewhat more intuitive than the more kind of craft oriented discussion of acting but i thought that that the sentence that the the man who lived moonlight right ha, uh, talked about where he said we're here to show you you and us i thought had an elegance to it although it's also kind of um it's the kind of thing that would be intuitive to an audience that isn't engaged in the craft in a way that what harvey or badem is talking about really wouldn't be i don't think um So it's a little bit less inside baseball, but just as sophisticated. I don't know, Jordan, what do you
1: think? Well, the other person who had an interesting craft-based speech was Marusha Ali, right, Uh, who said – I think that's the first time I've ever heard uh, acceptance speech start off by thanking somebody's acting teachers. And then he did them the additional benefit, like giant favor of remembering something that they said, you know. (laughs)
2: <laughs> which was amazing, right? Which was so, t- and it I was interesting because um, I was, at that point, I was feeling so hypersensitive to matters of representation at the Oscars that when he said, uh, be a servant, here, you know, be the servant, I was like, oh no, don't be the servant. That's bad. Don't do not do that. Uh, that's not the only character you can play. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's his acting teachers telling him that the, the actor, right, the artist, the sac- self-sacrificial artist is a servant to the character and the expression of the work, which was beautiful. Yeah, and totally, I mean. I mean, it must be amazing i mean jordan you teach young people if one of them won a big award and, and repeated something that you taught them uh i mean would yeah. that really warm your heart i think it i mean
1: yeah like having them name check me would be great having them remember something that i said would be way way better like <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was the like the biggest note that i took <laughs> it was like wow he actually is like you know he's paid attention um, which is pretty great. I felt like, as uh, as acting advice goes, it's a little bit more touchy feely. Like it's not a, it's not telling you how to how to cheat to the stage and stuff like that. Um, so it is something that people who who have never acted can still kind of get. But I I thought that it was really interesting.
0: Um, the two people that he name checked, at least the two that I remember, are uh, Zelda Finchlander and uh, Ron Van Lu, who taught at NYU, where I think. I'm searching his uh yeah he's a Tisch School of the Arts alumni, so he would have um uh, i guess he went for uh uh the m f a program at uh at Tisch school of the arts um and would have worked with those, would have worked with those people there. Uh, run van Lu decamped to Yale, uh, more recently where, by the way, Terrell Alvin McCraney now uh, is the head of playwriting, um, succeeding Paula Vogel, the, uh, the playwright of, of how I learned to drive and others. Um, Terrell Alvin McCraney who, who wrote, uh, the play, uh, in moonlight, black boys look blue on which the film moonlight is, uh, is based from, from his story. Um, um... So so th- they I mean like my th- so wait so this was a Harvard versus Yale battle <laughs>
2: where La La Land is the Harvard movie and Moonlight is the Yale movie is <laughs> and is there and a Harvard yes. team fought to the end but Yale won okay
1: let's <laughs> yes, relocate this really, conversation
2: in privilege
1: <laughs> sorry <good, very> let's <laughs> appropriate Moonlight as the Yale movie that is
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not the movie about poverty in, in Miami right exactly oh. yeah exactly and, and the yeah the the indignities like, faced by uh, faced by uh, you know young young person of color anyway yeah let's let's make it the Yale movie um that uh, uh i uh, it's too many things to say my my favorite things were um my favorite things were the moments, actually, the moments that made it feel like an event, uh, an event has happened, right? Like uh, something real had happened in, in the theater, And I guess I'm sort of moving the analysis onto like the Oscars being a, the Oscars being a live show. I feel like excellence in theater is the sense of conveying that something real is taking place right now, whether it's, whether it's uh, a, a real representation, um, the, you know whether it's uh, uh, a real kind of. Of human event, whether it 's a real ritual whether it 's a real you know there are, there are all kinds of like kinds of things that it can be, but the the idea that it 's sort of real and not rote that it 's real and not um, falsified or uh indicated right uh, that it 's actually enacted um, is sort of the essence of excellence in theater, and to me some of those some of the moments were like the 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 parachutes dropping um with the the snacks in them from the you know from the the top of the theater uh because like the sense of like gasping and sort of amazement inside the theater was palpable and then the the mad scramble as people like grabbed for those things out of the sky uh and you know people who probably hadn't eaten for for hours hours and hours all day maybe um you know, had been on their Oscar diets or whatever. Just grab for those donuts uh, was was an actual, real display of human behavior that I thought was uh, uh, I thought was interesting. Likewise, I think this. You know, we're going to hear more about this in in the hours and days to come. But bringing in, I mean, bringing in the tour bus was that a gimmick that that worked for you guys? Because to me, uh, to me, it was a gimmick that worked. Went on a little long. But uh, was was fundamentally, uh, was fundamentally uh, interesting to watch, an interesting event, interesting for the live show, and actually like a little desperate to have something, anything real happen, in, in a room full of experts in the mimesis of human behavior right to to actually have to get uh non actors to inject a dose of of reality uh that kind of of breath of fresh air uh into the proceedings is uh you know is a slightly desperate uh move right
1: one thing that's interesting is that it, it strikes me as a classic uh late night bit sure. you know it's a uh, it's it's Rupert G annoying people it's uh it's jaywalking it's all that stuff right um which is on on the one hand, it's a, a way there to sort of squeeze screen time out of a limited budget and limited resources, and not being able to get in actors to like do sketches uh, effectively. It's much easier to do hidden camera stick, but uh, but does have that effect of making sort of reality enter the room.
0: Yeah, uh, and and. You know, I don't know. I, I heard in our members chat a little bit, people were uh, uh, slagging off Kimmel for, for not being a good host and, and saying his crowd work was bad. A little bit like I wanted to push back against that. Like the, the you know, the greatest host of all time uh, or or if second to anyone, second maybe to, to Bob Hope, uh, greatest host of all time, Johnny Carson um, – had the particular strength of setting up other people to look funny, and in that bit right you laughed more at the the uh, tour bus writers than you did at kimmel and that's the you know uh, god's in his heaven all's right with the world jimmy kimmel is not funny right like that's that's how it's supposed to be uh when you're the host of something you're you're supposed to kind of provide a setting um for other people to shine however expert or inexpert they are as uh performers pete what did you think of the the tour bus bit
2: I, I really enjoyed the moment where the fian the fiancée couple uh, had Denzel Washington to de, like de facto marry them on <laughs> on stage. Right. I thought that felt like something that would be deeply meaningful to them. And I, in fact, like uh, at that point, my girlfriend had gone to sleep. I like ran into the room to tell her about it because I was uh, so so moved by it. Thought it was so cute and great. Um, I mean, did it necessarily work for the show? Like, I wouldn't necessarily do it again. Right? It's sort of a one-time thing. But it is is—it is interesting to think about how, in the past, Oscar hosts have kind of been often, – they've often been asked to sort of do their act – Right. Uh, in the sense of like the, the monologue, it's usually a stand up comic. Right. Historically, who does is their monologue, the kind of work that they would do in their stand up set. And it's interesting that when you bring on somebody who is not primarily a stand up comic and you kind of ask them to do their act, it's going to include the sort of stuff that they do that they think is funny because they're going to be bringing their writers along with them and all that stuff. So. So, yeah. So it's interesting to see, like, OK, if we have this late night host host the oscars it's sort of going to become an episode of his show right like uh and that's that's interesting like can you imagine what the jimmy fallon oscars would be like
0: right I, I, a- I, yeah i don't want to but all right <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, that's interesting though because I, I feel like like Kimmel must have some background in stand-up and like the thing that he does it, that he did here was crowd work um, and I feel like one of the sort of subtle programs of the bus gag was that he's going to bring in some people that he can really do crowd work with that he can't really do to celebrities necessarily, you know. Um, so that's when he's like, "Hey, you're like, what's your name? Where you're from? Oh, that's a stupid name. That sort of thing, right?" Yeah, yeah. Um, Mel, Mel Gibson. He, he was yeah, a,
0: right. Like Mel Gibson, where are you from? You have any interesting run-ins with the law recently? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not that he's above
1: making fun of people's names, as we saw. That that got real tiresome. But uh, but he can't say where you're from um and i think that like my my impression of him as a as a comic watching him do this is that like the material is you know not all that great um but he has a certain force of charisma that although like i i wouldn't say that this was my favorite hosting experience i feel like he made the time pass at a clip You know, and uh, and you can sort of you can sort of see him working very well as a as a host specifically, because that seems to be his uh, his stock and trade. Mm.
2: Yeah, I would say that this Oscars, even though it felt long, didn't necessarily feel long In that it was boring. It felt long in that it was exhausting. Uh, And there were very few times where I was like, oh, my God, we still have a whole hour of this left to go. But there were definitely times where I was like, oh, man, I have to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) rough."
0: Yeah. which i guess is better <laughs> and you and you with the podcast to, to uh to produce afterwards um I am. the the uh uh some of the appearances as well were uh were good like michael j fox on stage was just just wonderful and like that guy has so much charisma and like uh so uh, like great great lines like some of it was for you some of it was for you great like delivery and timing um, but but it's sort of as a stage show, it sort of makes me wonder, given that it's exhausting, given that the thing is long three three and a half hours, three like ten or three fifteen with um uh, with kerfuffles uh, like fully twenty minutes of that i'll bet could be. Cut by stage managing people coming on and off better, right, and discovering people in place rather than um, rather than uh, uh, you know watching them watching them walk uh, walk on stage. You know the the d- just the grandeur of that is not particularly uh effective anymore because we don't have movie stars like Warren Beatty and 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 Faye Dunaway anymore. We have we have like charming, affable, kind of bumbling, you know, uh, uh Just Emma Stone was kind of like this, where she was just kind of goofy and uh, game, and you know, sort of charming, but not uh, didn't have like doesn't have like grandeur, you know. Um, And so, like some of the some of the aspects of like grandeur in the show feel outdated or out of out of place to me. Um, Sweeping entrances onto the stage, you know, large curtains opening um, uh, to a certain extent. The uh, uh the orchestra i mean the the montages too right like uh the montages are um A sort of subtle plea to like take this show as seriously as you take the take take this episode, take this instance of the show as seriously as you take the legacy uh, of the Oscars, and that was not, um, uh, you know, I don't know, it it just seemed less effective uh, to me tonight than than it has in in other years.
1: Well, certainly there's something bizarre about going from here is a montage of great actors acting to here is a montage of past Oscar ceremonies that you may remember us from. Yeah, (laughs) right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Clearly, you're a fan of the Oscars. You're watching this Oscars. Remember these other Oscars? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, so when you mentioned jimmy kimmel
2: and hey bro, said, oh, he must, hey
0: bro i heard you like oscars so i put some oscars in your oscars so you can watch the oscars while you watch the oscars
2: <laughs> so you you mentioned well jimmy kimmel must have some stand-up experience i looked up jimmy kimmel's history jimmy kimmel of course was a game show host uh for win Ben benstein's money which i hope everyone
0: remembers he was, a, he, but, was a, he was a radio producer before yeah that, whose claim to fame is discovering adam carolla
2: yeah he was a sports radio guy and so, when you think about like, well, what's another thing where when you're watching a thing, they show you other clips of the same thing that you're watching, but slightly different or from other previous times, like sports, right? Like you're watching a baseball game, it's like, hey, by the way, here's a different baseball game for like five seconds, right? Uh, there's, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's, I'm saying, there's forms within forms here, right? That right we can here's, trace.
0: Yeah, here's a replay of the game that you ju- that of the yeah. play that you just saw uh, in slow motion or from a different angle or something <laughs> like that, right? Like, right, right.
2: That's we, what they need to start doing is start right. slow motion replays of everything
0: yeah uh, of uh, Warren Beatty's grimace before the the envelope kerfuffle or uh Denzel Washington sucking on his lips um, you know not smiling at uh, 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 not smiling at at the uh, best actor win um, the uh, yeah it was a uh was a, was a heck of a thing um, hey uh Pete did you notice the Verizon commercial did you get the
2: <laughs> I can't believe you
0: brought that up. Yes, that Verizon commercial was terrible, and I watched it like six times. All right, it, it, it right they they played it like six times. Can can you just because I I have a read on it, and I feel like Verizon is taking a cue from everyone else's advertising, all their competitors' advertising uh, about Verizon, and uh, and I think it gets into I think it gets it gets into something that's going to take us into the kind of the political content or lack thereof of this ceremony which seemed to be uh to, for me anyway the thing that um seemed to be the thing that uh we were most uh, wondering about other than you know moonlight versus la la land uh can you just describe this this uh, verizon commercial
2: so it's a Verizon commercial where a guy is announcing to a crowd of people who've gathered for some reason that Verizon has been recognized by some sort of trade organization yeah, the, the for a per, variety of different service standards.
0: For what it's worth, the, the, the person is Thomas Middleditch, who, who is the star of Silicon Valley, uh, a comedian. Um, yep,
2: yep. Yeah. And, and they all start asking, well, is it like the Oscars? Are there are people dress up? Like, are there trophies, right? And he's like, well, no, well, no. What it really means is that you'll get, you know, however much data for however much. Now, as you know, as you may know if you're a big listener to the Overthinking Podcast, I tend to find, I've found the recent uh, T-Mobile commercials. Every one of Verizon's uh, competitors is running advertisements right now that are about Verizon and that paint Verizon in some sort of like – either perverse or, like, slightly off or, like, slightly bumbling sort of way, which is more endearing to Verizon than it is supportive of the brand that they are advertising, right? Like Sprint, right? In terms of, like, well, we got the Verizon guy. He works for us now. And it's like, oh, that's cool that he got work. You know, great for the Verizon guy. <laughs> or, like, the big one is Christian Shaw, where it's like, hey, what What do you think about Christian Shaw having strange sexual perversions? I was like, I mean – Okay, you know, like that's not the worst thing I've ever yeah, heard. In my well, life. no,
0: right, exactly. Like, hey, Verizon is like having kinky sex. That sounds awful, doesn't it? And it's like, <laughs> well, no, not particularly. Having kinky sex sounds great if that's your thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You, you do. You, Verizon. <laughs>
2: It just seems like there's a meta narrative around Verizon now where they, nobody knows what people actually want.
0: But this was the this was the um, yeah, because this was the opposite of that. This was sort of undercutting uh, undercutting their own triumph. And the narrative of this commercial wasn't like, no, all these people uh, saying awful things about us are incorrect. In fact, we are awesome. It's like, hey, a good thing happened. Well, no, okay, it wasn't that great a thing. You probably don't. <laughs> care much about it verizon you know uh right so, and and uh it's i don't know do, do you have a take on it uh, or or like you do you have an idea of what's going on strategically or or uh you know i don't know are you are you as flummoxed by it as i am
2: uh well i think the the big question is is differentiators right is that that's the question that all these commercials start with which is that if you're not legally allowed to Prove things or, or like say things that you can't prove, then, like, how do you different? How do you say that you're different from other companies that do more or less the same thing and on any given day may be better or worse than you, depending on the circumstances for a given customer, right? Like, you can't say our, our, it's like, oh, if you buy our cell phone, it'll always work. You can't say that, right? Like, because it won't always work. Um, so, you know, the different companies, they try to figure out what their differentiators are from each other. And this is a situation where Verizon won a bunch of trade awards and they're like, oh, these are differentiators. And then they're like, but nobody cares. And then they were like, run with it. <laughs> it's like, OK, it's I don't know when it comes to marketing. I tend to think that there's a lot of uh, there's there's a problem of frame of reference where Um, It's Well, it's a sort of a form of narcissism in the sense that, you know, you look – you're looking for something that looks like a person and the first thing that you see that shows it to you is a mirror, right? Like uh, you're like, oh, you know, maybe I should talk about myself to other people the way I talk about myself to myself and they'll get it. Uh, They won't. They won't care. But I don't know. If you have a take on it, by all means, step out. I mean I I mostly remarked on it because it wasn't Jack the Ripper and Jules Verne (laughs) fighting each other on the streets of (laughs) – York City.
0: Yeah, that that was well. Jack the Ripper only kills hot women in sexy ways, so you know that's that's at least something he has going for him.
2: Is he uh, is he equal opportunity now? He kills hot men in sexy ways too.
0: I, yeah, I guess it was a different. I mean, it was a different time, right? Like, wait,
2: wait, wait. But what, have we learned anything about his his family? Is perhaps his father the district attorney? Is that? <laughs>
0: i mean i I think there was something interesting going on with respect to dominance right like if if verizon how and and how do you construct discourses around uh, around dominance right like if Verizon is the market leader by i don 't know number of subscribers or by network uh, coverage or by revenue or by some some agreed upon metric right like and everyone is smaller than Verizon and everyone is sort of sniping at them you know how do you uh, how do you sort of soft pedal uh, that to an audience that seems, um, uh, seems like it would be less than friendly to triumphalist displays of authority? You know? And, and, this is an interesting thing there there's something interesting being negotiated about dominance even the sort of the the christian Schall bit about the s m uh relationship is like you know in incorporating uh it 's like you, you know the power dynamics are are you know bad uh, even though they seem kind of sexy in the christian shawl ad right like oh no you' you're going to be you're going to be uh, you know sort of abused by by your thing and the and this this was sort of like yes we uh, in fact we are the best but you know what it's like it's inoffensive we're inoffensively uh we're inoffensively the best and and i felt a lot of people sort of walking that line uh in terms of what they wanted to say um politically uh like uh and 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 a lot of people uh a lot of people had to kind of root it in something personal, right? Like I am in, I am an immigrant or I am a migrant laborer, uh, as an actor, right? Like which is an interesting claim to make, but, but set that aside, right? Like I, I am an immigrant. This, this business is, is filled with immigrants. Uh, if you like the movies, you should like immigrants or I, right. It, is a very different uh, claim to make than than you know the policies of this administration are inhumane which came in its most forceful form uh, from the uh, Iranian director of uh, the salesman um, of very good film actually a film that i recommend uh to you i'm uh, probably not as good as as his earlier film a separation but still an an excellent movie and and one that's certainly worth two hours of your time um or like uh i'm i'm gail garcia bernal uh, i'm mexican and so i'm against uh uh the i'm against sort of hateful rhetoric or discrimination against against mexicans right like like the the idea the idea of sort of attacking it, um, attacking the question from a less forceful angle. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Rather, rather than appeal to a kind of Cartesian first principles style, uh, uh, this is wrong because ethics say it's wrong. This is wrong in principle. Something is, you know, um, there were a lot of people, there were a lot of people who wanted to, to, to say a lot of things about the, the current political climate. Um, and yet they, they did it. They came at it at kind of a slant, uh, a slant angle which which struck me as being as rhyming a little bit with the display uh, the the way the discourse of the the Verizon commercial negotiated the issue of kind of the dominance of of Verizon in the market um,
1: I mean, yeah. that 's an yeah. interesting and a very interesting read on it. I feel like if you 're right that Verizon made that commercial because they think that their customers would be uh, sort of would 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 I uh, would not be into a triumphalist display of authority? Then I think they've misread their customer base pretty pretty profoundly, <laughs> you know, along with all the rest of the pundits. I think that what's going on with the Oscar speeches, like I, I detect the thing you're talking about, but I, I don't read it quite the same way because you seem to be saying that like this they're coming at it, making it like a personal connection in all these ways, is a slightly um, softer way to peddle it than a a rational argument from. First principles but I don't think that a rational argument from first principles is the way that anyone ever argues these things I don't think it's necessarily stronger either Um, like sometimes you can have an overwhelming thing like that and sometimes you'll have a very finicky technical one that like you can kind of believe in but not really quite Actors are going to be giving speeches where they're making a play for your emotions, right? And I do think that the emotion that they go for generally is like, "This is wrong, and it's making me sad," or "This is wrong, and it's making me righteously angry." But not, you know, "We are massive, and we will crush you," right? To like to take the mic and shout, "The people united will never be defeated." That would be one thing.
0: Well, the the um, the counter example is. Uh, is Michael Moore uh, when he won for uh, Fahrenheit nine hundred and eleven? Right where he said, uh, "We we documentary filmmakers are interested in truth, and we live in fictitious times. This is a fictitious war based on fictitious premises, and we are against this war." Which, by the way, got booze in the room. Um, you know, so, like strong, strong mixed reaction. Uh, I'm, the the country was a little more i don 't know perhaps less polarized or or maybe a little more on unsure footing, or there were a different set of, of things right like uh, to say right uh, to say we are against x is a different sort of claim than I feel than than what you 're talking about. I feel sad about this or this uh, this makes me angry but i I guess there was always kind of a warrant for a warrant for the emotional reaction right like uh, uh Emma stone didn't talk about how she didn't want a wall between the United States and mexico um there there was uh, uh though though in some ways having her advocate for it would would uh you know be powerful and and different um than having gail Garcia super uh, uh advocate for it um the the uh the Sort of link, right? The the kind of the personal link was always there, and sort of served as a warrant for the the kind of emotional uh, emotional appeal that you're talking about. But um, you know, it it was it was, an, it, was uh, it was an interesting thing. I was I was sort of wondering what uh, monologue jokes there would be, what the speeches would contain, whether Meryl Streep would would uh, say anything, and the way the way it it unfolded was was pretty interesting. Jordan, I feel like Pete and I have had our say. What was your uh, favorite part of the ceremony and what struck you in particular about it?
1: Yeah, so during the, the little clip from the technical Oscars, I became aware of something called an animatronic horse puppet. And they showed, like, showed maybe like two or three glorious seconds of footage of the animatronic horse puppet. And man, I would much rather have had that be the host rather than any of the documentary uh, films that were nominated and won, worthy though they all are. Could we possibly get somebody in a room with a camera and an animatronic horse puppet for, for 30 or perhaps like 60 minutes? that would that would really make my year
0: um what was uh uh what is an animatronic horse puppet can you just describe can you describe what you saw a little bit
1: all right so like picture a a horse <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, take off all of the, all of its all of its legs, sort of at the at the shoulder. Uh-huh. So you have like, um, if you if you would imagine like popping the ball joint out. Right, sure. You have, the, you, have a, you have a
0: horse torso, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and and its flanks, right? So, uh-huh. uh, but but no legs. And then imagine uh, sort of mechanical armatures going up into it, and then the rest of the horse is like with perfect fluency, just like galloping uh, in in midair. Totally stationary, except for sort of the rippling of its flanks. And that was your animatronic horse puppet. Well, so
2: to, to, to look it up, uh, the, <laughs> the Creature Effects animatronic horse puppet, uh, the 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 chief uh, innovation of it, uh, according to uh, the playlist.net, is that it is safer for actors to ride and easier to integrate with live-action shooting. So it's not just an animatronic horse puppet. It is a rideable animatronic horse puppet uh, that is, I guess, OSHA-approved, I suppose. <laughs> as opposed to previous animatronic horse puppets which were deathly dangerous but worth it yeah. if you
1: were willing like, to really sacrifice yourself for your art this is an animatronic horse puppet that may well have saved lives for all you know
2: right yeah they they finally applied mechanical bull technology to the to the silver <laughs> screen on the on thought, the lowest that on the John lowest Travolta setting. movie what is that John Travolta movie where he rides the mechanical bull Oh, man. I'm not. No, Battle I'm not <laughs> Battlefield Ruth. Battlefield Got it.
0: <laughs> is it? Well, the, I mean, this is an issue uh, in insuring films, right? Like uh, films have something that's called a completion bond, um, w- you know, which is like uh, if some uh, if so, there's an insu- there's a company that ensures that if some uh, set of occurrences, some like like, uh, you know, minutely negotiated set of occurrences prefer- Prevent the film from being completed. Uh, the studio or the the financier can recoup the money uh, that they put into it because these these things are are um, fantastically expensive. And in order to get. Uh, uh, in order to get actors insured, in order to get a completion bond for for the film, right? Like the the um, uh, w- the actors typically are not allowed to drive themselves, are not allowed to like ride motorcycles or do other dangerous, uh, risky type things. And I think like no horseback riding is probably uh, you know a standard for for. For that sort of thing, or at least it could be under certain circumstances, and and for certain kinds of films, I suppose. And like, it's it's really the uh, it's really a boon to the insurance industry rather than being, uh, you know, I don't know, rather than being a a boon to the occupational health and safety of of film sets, which are death traps. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's yeah.
2: I, I have to recuse myself from that because certain professional associations. <laughs> uh, but can we talk about how more Black people won Oscars than ever before? Is that something we're allowed to talk about? No, it's uh, it's, it's I, that's
0: always true, this right? is how it's always been, Pete. It's always uh, Oscars so woke. Uh, it's always been. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't say it was woke. I just say that a lot of Black people won Oscars. <laughs> maybe um, it was woke. Maybe it wasn't woke. Maybe everybody wishes that they were asleep rather than woke right now. I but, feel like uh, the
0: dis- I, I felt a little bit like Moonlight was robbed. Of of their moment as best picture because of the fustercluckiness of the the thing to like really like bask and glory in that moment like you know you have a dipshit uh, I'm gonna leave that one in like it's late at night Um, (laughs) it's OTI after dark Uh, like James Cameron asking for a moment of silence for the victims of the Titanic right like and (laughs) and all.
2: You know. sorry they've had plenty of silence in the intervening years they don't need any more
0: right <laughs> um the and uh, and all moonlight gets is like a disorganized like 45 seconds um to oh, lean on. to lean in and, and and talk about you know it's not dreams it's reality which maybe was throwing shade at the dreams thing in and, and la la land but i'm not i'm not i'm not totally <laughs> sure like i, I don't know all, all that all that moonlight gets is
1: the most electrifying 45 seconds of oscar broadcast on living record and likely ever to be you know granted that's not what anyone would choose i'm sorry that nobody got to say the speech they planned to speak but like everyone will remember this forever
2: yeah, Jordan understands modern rhetoric. That's <laughs> that's that's what we're going – that's what this is – a lot of this is about, right? It's rhetoric, influence, speech with power. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean I I wish – did you catch the producer of – was it the producer, the woman, the white woman in the middle who was like, and the problems of little black boys or something? She was just sort of like making it up as she was going along, looking around. Uh, I mean she probably wishes she had the time and composure to say her – to make her speech but that guy going up there and being like you know uh was it screw dreams
0: what exactly did he say
2: um not screw dreams but like no, but it was something I'm done like, with dreams
0: yeah exactly I'm done with dreams because this, with dreams. this isn't a dream it's it's uh it's reality and I' yeah. mean like a, a a little bit I I sort of I I actually really understand that as, as a, a statement about social progress, right? Like sort of the train, you know, the train has sort of left the, uh, uh, the train has left the station. It's uh, I, I, yeah, it's just so, so, so interesting. Like if, if you, if you concede the point that La La Land was a, a crowd and especially like Academy crowd pleasing sort of mediocre film, um, the, there's not I've, I've finally seen it i, I w- didn't see it in time for this podcast's Oscar corner on it but um i don't know you guys were were by and large right about it uh uh except for Mark who liked it but the um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh and moonlight is is an ambitious um you know uh much more socially conscious and much more kind of artistically ambitious in the way it's put together uh in in the way it's shot and the way that the the uh the tools of filmmaking are put at the disposal of of uh, telling the story of this character growing up um like the 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 idea that sort of uh uh, i don 't know uh, the idea that that white mediocrity won 't trump um, <laughs> you know uh, uh, minority excellence uh, again like don 't don 't dream like this is reality and and that you know that to me that was a powerful a powerful moment a powerful sort of uh, uh, statement um, at that moment and yet still I wish they had gotten the full three or four minutes to you know I don't know crow and strut and like uh, you know peacock and, lay- and do all the things that best pin- picture winners do you know um, be- all the stuff that the La La Land people did get to do yeah exactly <laughs> Before they turned them off, exactly, and that's that's the thing, you know, that's the thing that I sort of that I sort of regret. Though uh, I absolutely grant your point, Jordan, that this is like, this is probably a, a line in Warren Beatty's obituary right oh for sure <laughs> right oh god you know and, 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 and like and and this guy was in bonnie and clyde you know like the you know, like this is a, a sort of consequential uh, uh entertainment industry person and he probably he like and and i'm guessing like above the fold right like like the the leader the nut paragraph in his uh in his obit is going to contain some mention of this <laughs> the headline will be
1: uh, and the and the Oscar goes to La La Land. No wait, scratch that, Warren Beatty died. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah.
1: Oh man. What? Yeah, the no, um... but, I mean, Matt, you were saying yourself that what you liked about it was the stuff that made it a real event no, happening. It, do- I mean, it doesn't
0: get realer. Sure. I I, I like it. I liked it. I, I mean, like, I don't know, just as a sensation, like, I leapt off the couch and was, like, standing agog, like, my mouth agape in, in front of the, the television, right? Like, I, I could not remain seated uh, as this was happening, um, you know? And I, I'm not a shout-at-the-screen kind of person, but if I were, I would have been going, What? What? holy and I won't say it so that I don't have to edit it out a second time um the uh uh, uh the, on, on that level and yet I sort of regret that you know I I regret that um I, I, I regret that. I, I, I feel like moonlight was robbed a little bit in, in, in the way that, that I described yeah. Pete. Uh, no, what, I mean, what yeah. do you? Oh yeah. Sorry, Jordan. You finish
1: uh, One more thing. I mean, I think that you're very right, but this actually raises kind of an interesting question. Um, granted that, uh, the, the moment in the sun is nice. If it could be you, which one would you rather have, right? Either sort of the standard issue, you win the award, you get to go up and do your your speech that no one remembers even you the next day, right? Or you go up and like your rival film gets announced and then you have this sort of stunning reversal. Um, which of those do you think is actually more enjoyable?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, in uh, in the moment, probably the latter. But I wonder if over time... Uh, not the former, and you know what? I'll bet there is a like a Hollywood reporter op-ed coming that's like, "Here's the Oscar speech we wanted to give," or something, you know, something like that. Right? Oh, for like sure, yeah. Some sort of like, let's set the record straight. You know, we didn't get or a YouTube video or so. I mean, who knows? Like maybe like doing it actually in the entertainment press that might be so last century, right? Like, an, and and uh, uh, certainly they're capable. <laughs> they're filmmakers. They're capable of of producing a compelling. Uh, compelling bit of video themselves. Um,
1: yeah. But I mean, I mean in just more a basic way, like w- which would you rather do? Go to a wine tasting and take a sip of really good wine or go to a wine tasting, tape, take a sip of something that you're expecting to be good, have it be just like wretched, you know, spit that out, uh, like eat a cracker or something and then drink the really good wine. Which, which wine do you think is better? The good wine the first time or the good wine the second time?
0: You're... you're Sure uh, and again it's like in the moment uh in the moment uh I totally I totally see what you're saying that the what what's the opposite of pathetic drop right like the the opposite of a drop from the from the sublime to the ridiculous what is the the process of being like catapulted um from abjection to sublimity uh yeah and the 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 opposite of the bathetic drop is the buzzer beater, right? The half court buzzer beater. <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I mean, I, the word I was I was searching around for a Greek word, so apotheosis came to mind a little bit, and like that's not quite it, but that's that's uh, in the direction of what of what we're talking about. I I, I think that that's. I think that you're right, and yet, like the next day or a week, I might wake up and say, "Why did I have to have a whole mouthful of that crappy wine?" <laughs>
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that winery needs to get their act together. That was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And and really, right. Yeah. Uh, so so um, cl- closing up on the uh, 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 closing in on the um, uh, the end of the podcast. Uh, just just public service announcements. Um, uh, Mahershala. Oh, Yellowo. Just, uh, just a couple of pronunciations. I, I know I was on the record pronouncing it wrong, pronouncing uh, Mahershala Ali's name uh, incorrectly. Wanted to set the record straight uh, on that. And uh, for David Oyelowo, I found a good trick for pronouncing his name. It's the word "yellow" surrounded by the syllable "o." So uh, now you'll never ever forget um now you'll never ever uh forget how to say it uh and now uh from now on we must refer to it uh, as oscar winning film suicide squad (laughs) how how do you feel about that (laughs)
2: uh i feel like um that will smith and his acting role as Deadshot would would deserves a reinvestigation in light of the general uh raise in audience expectation i think that if we approach the work with the reverence that it deserves as an oscar winning film perhaps we'll find more uh we'll find more truth we'll find more character uh, we'll definitely find more uh regard for physical objects and perhaps we might even find more more body language, uh, as it were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely a lot of regard for physical objects in,
2: <laughs> in Suicide Squad.
0: Most of them are guns.
2: <laughs> some, some of them are
0: bludgeons or sticks, <laughs> right? <laughs> Truncheons of various, yeah. <laughs> of various sorts. Uh, yes. Very often, very often, the, the people being treated as physical objects by the film yeah. uh, Suicide Squad. Um, you know, just just another aspect, and it's it's. Insane. Only yeah. cruel ontology. Yeah, I'm just
2: glad. I'm just glad that Captain Boomerang didn't win the Best Actor Oscar. <laughs> Instead, it went to Deadshot, which was uh, which was who deserved it the whole time. <laughs> so there you go. Actually, I will say this: I was really surprised when Casey Affleck won the Best Actor Oscar, and he was up there to talk, and he had a moment where he's like, "I don't really have anything to say." <laughs> Right. Did you catch that? Where he's just sort of like, I don't I don't really I wish I like it's, I don't know whether he said I wish or I don't or I don't know. But there was definitely a moment after Casey Affleck made his sort of immediate thanks where he where and he also where he's had that offhanded interaction with Denzel Washington, where he had a moment where he could have said anything. And, and so I would say this in, in Jordan has presented sort of the good wine and the bad wine. And, and the worst wine is the wine that you didn't drink. Right. Is that there was a glass of wine sitting there that Casey Affleck could have could have drank from. He could have done anything with that moment. Right. He could have he could have made some sort of broad apology or indictment or condemnation of domestic violence. Right. Like he he could have talked about uh, like the lives of real people. He could have talked about acting. He could have freaking talked about Tom Brady, you know, whatever he wanted to talk about. The whole world was watching him for those seconds. And he just didn't say anything. And. And I think that that is that was I felt to me the biggest waste, even more so than the huge mess at the end uh, it, it was that it was that waste of that moment that Casey Affleck had that stood out to me as kind of the saddest part of it but the
0: whole didn't show. you I mean didn't you feel like given the the allegations that have been made against him and like really serious concerns about some stuff that he's alleged to have done um like he he was walking on eggshells a little bit, you know like the the uh, I don't know, the, the... Uh though, what can, I mean, what can you do to get kicked out of this community? Like, Mel Gibson was sitting... Uh, well, you know.
2: Mel Gibson was also trying to, like, I'm laughing like a regular person, and all these jokes. I love that moment where they told the OJ joke about the bologna sandwich, and Mel Gibson was, like, really digging it, and he was laughing a lot, and then the camera, before you knew it, the camera had, like, cut away and cut back, and Mel Gibson was out of frame. Yeah, <laughs> You can go back and run the tape and see it. But yeah, like, you know, I suppose, but he is an actor, right, and a writer and a director, so it's his moment. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, he probably doesn't want to comment on it because he doesn't want to, like, affect his lawsuit. Right.
0: Fine. No, no, I'm not saying know? I'm not saying to to comment on it. I mean, I, I just think there's kind of a general timidity uh, about it, given given the the position that he's in, um, in terms of of legitimacy and belonging in the in the community and like for him the the dominant strategy was to almost do nothing you know Mm -hmm. to to almost say nothing and to to be the most kind of anodyne you know um uh nothing of a of a speech that he could do because any like uh all in in any direction like he was at a local maximum right like in any direction was uh at any direction he could travel was a downslope um but uh, well, that's a that's a downer note to to end on. Jordan, you have a you have a last thought for us before we uh, before we close it out in order to uh, in order to end our Oscar podcast on an up note. Oh, no, Jordan's busy drinking wine. Uh, he's, he's, poured, <laughs> he's poured himself a good glass and a bad glass, and he's uh, he's experimenting with the sequencing of how he drinks them.
1: My, my actual, uh, my toastiest take, which is that uh, Mahershala is actually short for Mahershalal al-Hashbaz, which is Hebrew for he hath made haste to the plunder, and appears as a prophetic name in Isaiah 7-9, which means that when uh, when Kimmel would not shut up about how goofy a name Mahershala is, he was actually
0: being anti-Semitic. Ooh, <laughs> toasty, toasty take. Um, uh, yeah, um, Pete, you have a toasty take? on uh on the oscars a toasty a toastier than we've already taken yeah i I mean i you know yeah or or just repeat uh just repeat something you've already said
2: oh um well i guess early in the oscars everyone was saying man this is going too smoothly we won't have anything to talk about tomorrow uh and i guess i would just say um Films are about dreams and wishes, and
0: making your wishes
2: come true. So, uh, so there you go. It was a. It was, uh, you know what? I'll, here's my last toasty take. The secret star of the Oscars uh, broadcast appeared, I think, no fewer than six times. Although four of them were in the final five minutes. <laughs> Yes, you know what I'm talking about, Chris Pine's mustache. Uh, Chris Pine, Captain Kirk, apparently grew a mustache for a movie he was in that was nominated for Best Picture and I don't know the name of. Uh, And and no one mentioned that this big movie star was in this movie that was nominated for Best Picture. It's called Hell or High Water, and it's mostly notable for having a Jeff Bridges mustache, which is a mainstay of the Academy Awards at this point. At this point, you see a Jeff Bridges mustache at the Academy Awards. I mean, you'd be more surprised to not see a Jeff Bridges mustache at the Academy Awards, but a Chris Pine mustache—I mean, that's new. That's different. I mean, I maybe expect a James Brolin mustache, you know, like if he's really going deep on, on some uh, some twangy slide uh-huh. guitar, premium cable style soundtrack, like uh, like intense, uh, you know, man drama. Uh, but Chris Pine—I didn't think that he had it in him. So, so it, twice. So, so there were two guys that stood out to me: Chris Pine and Jake Gyllenhaal were showing up occasionally in clips featuring other actors. And never being mentioned, acknowledged, and weren't there. And, and I feel like they were probably the biggest stars that that happened to, uh, I think. Although I might be misremembering, it might just be because I watched movies with them in it recently. But I thought it was interesting that like there'd be a scene of you know like somebody sitting down with Chris Pine, or they'd be walking around because it's one of them walking around movies where there's tall grass and duffel bags, uh, and we got to walk around the ranch, uh, or sitting down with Jake Gyllenhaal and they'd be talking. And I was like, oh, they're in this movie? Like, are they not here to like represent it or to talk about it? Like, I guess. Do they have better things to do? I don't know. Um, but if you were ever interested in what Chris Pine looked like with a mustache, um, it didn't win the Best Makeup Oscar or Hairstyle Oscar because that went to Killer Croc. But it was there, and it was there. And uh and for a moment it was there and then it was gone.
0: And I would, and, and, and I would just like to close by saying um, that, that Hollywood royalty, uh, be humbled uh, because you are in the presence of a great, a truly great uh, filmmaker, actor, producer. You are not worthy to slap the, sl- the sticks on his clapper. Uh, you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are in the presence of Jackie Chan, who, mm-hmm. though off to the side, um, stood over uh, you with a look in his eyes that could only have been judgment, you know. Uh,
2: <laughs> I, when I saw him, I said, oh, they invited a movie star.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. And on that note, let's call off the uh, the Oscar podcast for 2017. We'd love to know what you uh, thought of the Oscars. Um, you can uh, uh, head to the comments on the show notes for this episode and let us know your toasty takes on the Oscars or your responses to anything that that uh, we have said. Thanks to the overthinking it members who joined us in our members chat. Uh, it's very, very fun to uh, to hang out in a chat room together during during the Oscars and we all got uh, a lot of enjoyment out of it. It really enriches the experience to share it with your friends. If you are interested in becoming a member of Overthinking It, head to overthinkingit.com slash join for more information about uh, supporting the site. Quick personal note before we go. Uh, congratulations to our uh, good friend and fellow Overthinker Ben Adams and uh, and to his wife, Wendy, on the birth of their child. Um, it's, it's great news and, and congratulations. You're um, here. And uh, we will be back next week with more uh, Overthinking It. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com. Till we subject. Uh, <laughs> God, it's one o'clock for you guys, not for me. What's my excuse? Uh, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, prob- it probably. Doesn't, doesn't deserve,
2: and the envelope says. Urban Cowboy is the name of the John Travolta movie with the mechanical bullet in it.
0: Urban Cowboy. This is going to sound like I'm just making it up after the fact, but I knew it was some kind of cowboy.
2: It's not Midnight Cowboy. That's different. It's urban. And now that we have animatronic horse technology, I sense a gritty reboot in the works. Somebody get Chris Pine and his mustache on the phone. Stacked. Oh, my God.
0: Are are, are they going to have to start making movies about suburban or even rural cowboys? What, what will they think of next? It's a
2: dream factory. They'll think of whatever they think of.
1: <laughs> so. Screw your dreams.
0: This is reality. <laughs>
1: Hotter Take, the audition song from La La Land, is
0: basically just the Rainbow Connection. Oh, oh my God. Hotter, Hotter Take, every song from La La Land is just Fly Me to the Moon. Hot- Pete, I, I cut In- you off accidentally. Say I that, say no, that no, again no, 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 from no. Hotter, Hotter Take. No? Uh, oh you no. no, don't leave. You want to kill on. it? I'm
2: done with Suicide Squad. I'm done right. with Suicide Squad. No more. No mas. <laughs>
0: Let it go. Let it go, Indiana.
1: Let it go. Indiana. Indiana. Let it go. I'm really sad that we can't title the podcast, I'm done with Suicide Squad. I'm done with Suicide Squad. Let it go. No boss. (laughs)